0: Welcome to sojourner truth thank you for staying with us this is your host margaret prescott today on our weekly broadcast we continue our coverage of israel's invasion of gaza its impact on palestinian civilians including children and the growing protests around the world calling for a ceasefire the ev- invasion that some refer to as a genocide Others as ethnic cleansing followed an attack on Israeli uh, territories by Hamas on October 7th. Now, keep in mind these are territories that are also claimed by the Palestinians. But on October 7th, 1,200 Israelis are were killed, and it is reported 200 hostages taken. Now with Bombs happening daily across Gaza, and over ten thousand Palestinians thus far, as the time we go on air, are uh, killed and many, many more injured. There is an international outcry to stop the slaughter, calling for a ceasefire. Our guests are Ziad Abbas of the Middle East Children's Alliance and Phyllis Benis, a Jewish writer and political commentator based in the United States. She is an expert in the Middle East. But first, let's go to sound from one of the thousands of protests that have been going on around the world calling for a ceasefire. This one is from Chicago, Illinois, that took place on Monday, November 13th.
1: For Pacifica Radio, I'm Christina Onestead. Palestinian authorities are proposing a Red Cross supervised evacuation of Gaza's largest hospital, Al-Shifa, as health officials warn the only way to save three dozen newborns trapped there would be to call a ceasefire and transport them out of the besieged territory. Israeli forces have encircled Al-Shifa Hospital. Hundreds of patients, medical staff, and displaced people are trapped there with dwindling supplies and without electricity. To run incubators and other equipment. United Nations officials say they are witnessing violations of humanitarian law in Palestine. Izumi Nakamitsu is a high representative for disarmament affairs at the UN. The relentless Israeli bombardment continues hitting civilians, hospitals, refugee camps, mosques, churches, and UN facilities, including shelters. The Secretary General is, and I am, deeply concerned about clear violation of international humanitarian law that we're witnessing in the ongoing conflict. Let me repeat the clear, unequivocal position of the United Nations that no party to an armed conflict is above international humanitarian law. Even wars have rules. She spoke Monday at a hearing on a nuclear-free Middle East zone. This comes a week after a high-level Israeli cabinet member entertained the idea of nuclear bombing Gaza. Meanwhile, Hamas says it's ready to release 70 hostages held captive since its October 7th terrorist attack in exchange for a five-day ceasefire. In Israel, more than 100 relatives of hostages held by Hamas kicked off a march from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, demanding Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Do more to secure captives' release.
2: <laughs>
1: Shelly Shem Tov, his mother of Omer, is demanding answers from the prime minister and his cabinet and to bring back their children and families. Yuval Iran also has family held captive.
3: My niece is three years old. My nephew is eight years old. And my cousin is 12 years old. My mother was taken, my sister, my sister's husband, and my aunt. They were all taken 39 days ago, and I can't sit at home anymore. I have to do something.
1: Netanyahu faces growing scrutiny as tens of thousands have been protesting his government's response and demanding a ceasefire in Israel. Those protests continue. In the U.S., the only Palestinian-American, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, spoke at an event last night reiterating her call for a ceasefire in Gaza. She was censured by House Republicans and a few other Democrats supporting the measure last week. Here in the Bay Area, upwards of 700 Jews and their supporters staged a sit-in at the Oakland Federal Building demanding a ceasefire in Gaza. Meanwhile, the Center for Constitutional Rights has filed a lawsuit against President Joe Biden, arguing he's failed to prevent what it's calling a genocide in Gaza. President Joe Biden travels to San Francisco today, where he will host representatives from 21 nation members of APEC, the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit. Topics include climate change, labor, and fentanyl trafficking. Biden is slated to meet with Chinese President Xi Jinping tomorrow. Activists say they will rally to shut down APEC Tomorrow, Wednesday, citing the 1,200 corporate leaders attending and the threats international trade frameworks and dictatorships in the Asia-Pacific pose to labor rights, human rights, and the environment. With just days left to continue government funding or face a shutdown by Friday, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen Monday, speaking from the APEC Summit, urged Republicans in control of the House to find common ground and pass a funding bill. House Speaker Mike Johnson Friday released a two-stage funding plan. He's yet to get full buy-in from the Democratic-controlled Senate or the White House. Edwin Vieira reports. Right now, I oppose this measure. I think it's a mistake. I don't support the rule advancing it. And I think he should switch directions like he did last week with a very good move by putting Israel forward, paid for, out of the IRS expansion.
3: Congress has until Friday to avert a government shutdown. Johnson's CR has some support among Democrats, but others are
4: calling it a gimmick, likely to lead to more problems later. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says he's pleased the CR avoids the steep cuts demanded by the hard right, though it's still less than ideal. He says bipartisanship is the only way forward. I've said on multiple occasions that if we're going to work together to keep the government open, Speaker Johnson will have to avoid pushing steep cuts or poison pills that Democrats can't support. I'm Edwin J. Vieira for Pacifica Network and Public News Service.
1: A massive new federal government report out today says climate change is impacting Americans' daily lives with harms that are already far-reaching and worsening across every region of the country. The National Climate Assessment is a five-year localized update on what global warming is doing and will do to the U.S. It paints a picture of a nation that's warming about 60 percent faster than the world as a whole, regularly gets smacked with costly weather disasters and is facing even bigger future problems including worsening health and inequities that hurt poor and minority communities hardest. I'm Christina honested reporting for Pacifica Radio.
0: Those were our news headlines, and today we are going to continue uh, to the horror going on in Gaza. Even as we speak, it seems uh, as though uh, the one report that I just saw, the New York Times is reporting that the Al-Shifa hospital is, quote, in a circle of death. This, according to Gaza's health ministry, there's been a lot of concern about um, the patients and and the staff, the doctors uh, at that particular hospital, as well as other hospitals, as well as Palestinians that are trying to take refuge there. But before we uh, talk to our first guest, let us go now to a clip. This from Ireland, in which a representative of um, the Palestinian people spoke. This is the welcome, the introduction and welcome that he received. Let's go to that clip now.
5: Tonight, hell rains down on Gaza. Gaza, the graveyard of children. A child's life taken every 10 minutes. Israel claims to act in self-defense. Carpet bombing civilians, collective punishment, massacring children in their thousands is not defense. justifiable responses to the horrific attack by Hamas on October the 7th. The world sees Israeli actions for what they are. Barbaric, hateful, cowardly war crimes. (laughs) It's a moment of reckoning for world leaders for the European Union. A test of commitment to human rights, peace democracy. We ask, where is the protection of international law for every child killed in Gaza? For every Gazan mother holding the cold body of their dead child? Israel cannot be allowed to commit atrocities with impunity. The government says that Israel's actions cannot be without consequences. I agree. That is why the Irish government must take the lead and refer Israel to the International Criminal Court and send the Israeli ambassador home. And friends, when the European Commission gives carte blanche to Israel, to massacre Palestinians, we say no, never, you do not speak for us. For immediate ceasefires. Some of the most powerful voices have come from the Jewish community, calling for peace, justice, secure lives for Israelis and Palestinians, and their call emanates from the unimaginable horror and collective trauma inflicted on their people. And in the name of humanity, they say, never again, not to another people. We stand with them. Israel must stop its slaughter in Gaza. Hamas must release all hostages. Ceasefires must be called. Only a pre- peace process, dialogue, international law can deliver peace and Palestinian freedom. This is the only way that the children of Gaza and of Tel Aviv can have the future that they deserve. So, tonight. But it wasn't inevitable. Twenty-five years ago, brave peacemakers reached beyond the trenches of the past. They delivered peace. The Good Friday Agreement stands as testament that even the most intractable of conflicts can be resolved. That generation wrote Ireland's chapter of peace. Now our generation must write the chapter of unity. To build a new Ireland, Government must plan for democratic constitutional change. That means a citizens assembly on unity. The day is coming when everyone on this island will have their say in referendums. Each vote counting equally, no vetoes and no shifting of the goalposts.
0: A very strong statement there, interrupted by a lot of applause. If you're able to see that clip, it was really to a packed hall. And I should say that there's been a lot of concern about some of the rhetoric uh, coming from some officials in the Netanyahu government, the Israeli uh, government, um, where people are saying things like, "quote We're fighting against human animals, um, horrible inhuman animals um, that we have to erase all of them, their mothers and and their children." I mean, it's just horrible uh, what is being said, and I suppose it is the position of uh, some of people in government in Ireland, including this latest speaker, where they also say, why don't you just send the Palestinians uh, to the desert or to Ireland? There have been 18,000 tons of bombs um, from what I gather, and our next guest, I'm sure guest will give us an update uh, on that. Uh, so I'd now like to welcome our guest, Ziad Abbas, who is the executive director of the Middle East Children's Alliance. Uh, Ziad himself is a Palestinian uh, refugee from Daeshay refugee camp um, in the West Bank, where he founded the Ibda Cultural uh, Center. He's a filmmaker, a journalist and educator. Who has worked with Palestinian and international uh, media, and he's participated in the production of several documentary. Uh, films. Uh, we have been in touch with Ziad before where I want to thank the Sojourner Truth listeners because um, and it was some time back, I think maybe it was the second in Defada Ziad. I can't quite recall, we did do some on-air fundraising uh, for the children of Palestine, but Ziad Abbas, welcome and of course our sympathy to you because we can only imagine what you and, and colleagues are going through at this moment. Zia, thank you for joining us.
3: Thank you, Margaret, for having me.
0: <clears throat> you know, I have been criticized from because of my Twitter feed, because of the shows that I have done on the air to say, well, you're focusing on the suffering of the Palestinians and Palestinian children, but what about the Israeli children uh, who were killed uh, during the October 7th um, attack and what i say to that is that it is palestinians and palestinian children that are facing um slaughter right now what are co- some are calling a genocide uh zia just give us uh, tell us what you think about all this and and what what the situation is right now with palestinian children in particular
3: yeah, absolutely. This is like, uh, we are experiencing something you in the history. One of the things just to start with, as a Palestinian and I'm working in um, a relief organization and our staff members in Gaza, our partners in Gaza, our uh, volunteers in Gaza, and we try to communicate with them all the time when it's possible. It depends on the communication. This is, this is something we never experienced before and it's um like the people in gaza is like they need to choose actually between genocide or ethnic cleansing <clears throat> and of course the people they don't want to leave gaza that's true they leave their houses because they want to survive but the idea the people they try to stay uh, around their homes and their their home, it's Palestine. Where you will go, they saw what happened for the rest of Palestinians. they are living in the diaspora. It is it is a genocide with the full meaning. I'm not a lawyer, but this is what lawyer they speak about. This is how it's you target the 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 Palestinians, no matter where they who they are, like men, women, children, just because they are Palestinian. And before they did the uh, target, I uh, mean. Uh, all this bombing and attack on Gaza. Israel, since 1948, they dehumanize the Palestinians. And um, they make it easy uh, for them to kill and to target and um, to um, try to erase them and push them out of their homes. Right now, for us, is uh, as like as Mecca with our communication. Yeah, this is the reality there. And this is what we hear from the people in Gaza. And they say it. It's each time you speak, we speak with them, and especially with our colleagues. And it's like the last call between us. And all the time they speak about their will. We are colleagues. Sometimes they ask for certain things. And this is the irony and the tragedy at the same time where we are in 2023. And we, we experienced different kinds of genocide in the history. And we thought that's it. But honestly, Margaret, that these Israelis right now, the Zionist or what the Palestinian in Gaza called the settler colonial uh, system is right now, they are uh, bringing to the world like a new phase of dehumanizing at the same time the value of the human being going down while it's happening. And sometimes they say, right now we are like a reality show for the people in the United States. But this reality show, it's about genocide. They can watch it. Even yesterday, my friend, he was texting me from Gaza, my colleague, and telling me like, yeah, this is this reality show like day by day that people there are died and killed. At the same time, when we look about what's going on in the ground in Gaza, especially you spoke about Shifa Hospital. This is like something unimaginable for a human being to think about that. A hospital, over 200 people dead inside the hospital, in in the front of the hospital, and people there are dying every hour because no power, no fuel, no medicine, nothing babies they are dying injured people they were in icu unit they are dying because the lack of fuel the lack of medicine the lack of water the lack of food and people they are starving inside hospitals i'm not we are speaking about shifa hospital but there are other all the hospitals based in north of gaza they are going through the same experience where death, and they have dead people inside the hospital, and they can't. And the Israeli tanks, they are surrounding these hospitals. And of course, they they are not allowed any kind of communication. Imagine we are right now 30, 39 days, actually, in Gaza Strip. United Nations, they are not able even to help the people they are. They took a shelter in the United Nation facilities like the United Nations schools. They can't reach to them. They can't have food for them. They can't have a clean water. And this disaster is growing up very fast right now because not just with the number of people, of people they are killed, we have over 11,000 people they are already killed, over 8,000. There are children and women, and you speak about 30,000 people, they are injured, and you have over 3,000 people, they are reported uh, missing. There are people still their bodies under the rubbles of the, their destroyed houses or schools or where, wherever they are, and it's not possible for them to, to reach for them. <laughs> This is, and with the time is moving, more people dying inside these hospitals. And it's not just a bombing, it's just because the lack, there's they don't allow anything to get in inside these hospitals. This is the continuous genocide. And uh, this is where it's happening in front of us in the world, we are watching this. And the politicians—they are not doing enough to stop that. Actually, all the time they are encouraging by not taking any kind of action to stop this genocide. It means they are encouraging this kind of genocide to happen against the Palestinian people. And we are speaking here about Gaza. Gaza is the center of the news right now. But if we speak about West Bank, it's—it's the I don't want to say the same like Gaza because people. Our colleagues, our families, our relatives, and our staff members. When we ask about the situation in Gaza, they say, "Hey, just focus on Gaza." They try because they feel like they are whatever they are going through, facing the Israeli army. I'm I'm talking with you, and just yesterday they killed two two uh, Palestinians and two Karen. <laughs> and here, uh, uh, the people they are facing the settlers, facing the army. People, they are isolated in their uh, areas. People, they can't work, they can't move from city to other city. At the same time, you have an army and settlers, they are lashing everywhere, targeting the Palestinian everywhere. So to be a Palestinian right now, living in in Palestine, you become a target, no matter who you are, what you are doing, how old are you? You are a target for the the the, the Israeli uh, government and for the Israeli settlers, and just it's enough to be killed. And this is this is the disaster will continue. This is the genocide day by day will continue until the people they take real stand and stop what's going on.
0: Yeah, and and our guest is uh, Ziad Abbas, executive director of the uh, Middle East Children's Alliance. He himself is a Palestinian uh, refugee. And Ziad, you're absolutely right. I've I've begun to see there's not a lot of information, but the attacks happening uh, by settlers is, uh, you know, these aren't necessarily the Israeli army on um, the West Bank that are just going after mm-hmm. any Palestinian. Also, um, the um, Palestinians who live within um, uh, is, Israeli territory, um, who obviously have been discriminated against while living there, but they are also under attack. And then people tend to forget about the scores of prisoners, including children that are being held, Palestinians who are being held in Israeli prisons. And I read uh, one article that says since October seventh, the the torture and actually um, the killing of some of those uh, prisoners are taking place. So it's it's just a horror. Of course, Pacifica stands for peace, so um, we are for peace and and against uh, slaughter everywhere. But we anywhere we have to look at this uh, Ziad with our eyes entirely open and. Also, just wanting you to comment on this. I mean, the show we did last week, we talked uh, a bit about the uh, Nakba, the first uh, Nakba and seeing those scores of Palestinians um, basically forced out from the northern part of Gaza, going to the south where they're also under attack, many are saying, well, that is so reminiscent of what happened in the first Nakba when Palestinians were forced to leave their homes, leave Mm -hmm. their homelands uh, to establish uh, the state of Israel. So uh, your comment on that, and all Also, even the U.N. has come under attack. The United Nations Relief and Works Agency for Palestine Refugees, they are now coming under attack by uh, some members, uh, GOP members of Congress They are saying, holding up any funds that would go to humanitarian uh, assistance um, to Gaza and to Palestinians right now? Just your thoughts on all this,
3: Yeah, absolutely. This is something, we call it, it's the continuous Nakba, the continuous catastrophe for Palestinian people since 1948. And never stopped, to be honest with you, because if we think about the people in Gaza right now, you speak about the majority of people in Gaza. are Palestinian refugees and by the way margaret they are not living that much far from their own original villages that even people in gaza right uh, right now they are only less than 20 miles from their own villages if we want to the the distance and some of them actually less than 10 miles if you are living in north of gaza you are very close to your own villages there are most of the people in gaza the uprooted from villages surrounding Gaza in 1948, where the Israelis, they had their own settlements uh, near Gaza Strip. These are their original villages. And if we look, this is why we say it's a continuous Nakba. The, the Israelis, they don't want, and I want to remind the people, when the Jewish immigrants came to Palestine, even before the Nakba, before 1948, They didn't come to live with Palestinians. They came to replace the Palestinians. And this plan for the Zionist movement never stopped. They are still, they want this land. They had this myth in the past, land without people for people without land. The land without people is Palestine, Palestine, the historic Palestine. And they they claim it, that they are a people without land as a Jewish people. And they don't want to see any Palestinian there. And this is why they continue the same plan. Even after 75 years, we see that the ethnic cleansing happening in Jerusalem, in Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood, in Silwan, in Ras al and in many other Palestinian villages and towns, how the Israeli confiscation lands and make it difficult for the people even uh, uh, to live, uh, how they discriminate in water, destroyed houses, etc. But when it comes to Gaza, yeah, it's a Nakba. And you speak about the majority of the people living in Gaza, they are refugees. But Israel, this genocide actually is targeting gil- children because most of the people that are living in Gaza, they are children. Almost 50% of the people living in Gaza, actually more, they are below 18 years old and they are targeting them. This is why we see this high number of children killed. And when we speak about genocide and how, this is how the people, they see it in Gaza. They see it, they are not just targeting the people inside Gaza, they are targeting the future of the Palestinian people living inside Gaza by killing all these number of children. I want to remind the people that Gaza Strip is a very tiny area. It's 2.3 million people. They are living on 139 square miles. Many of the people in the world, they describe it as the the biggest open air prison on earth, because Gaza is surrounded by military from everywhere. Have six gates, six doors. Gaza Strip, five gates controlled by the uh, uh, the Israelis and one gate controlled by the Egyptian. And you have in the Mediterranean the military ships. So it's already very tiny area. And what they do right now. They cut the water, they cut the fuel, they cut the power, they cut the medicine and not allowed anything to get in. Even what they allowed to come, few trucks coming, it's like a drop in the ocean coming every day from Rafah checkpoints. It's nothing, cannot reach the people they are living in north of Gaza, which we are speaking around 800,000 people, they are already still living in north of Gaza Strip. Some of this stuff, enter Gaza. it's a little bit, and actually right now, United Nations, they will not be able to distribute anything in south of Gaza because they are out of fuel, and they are announcing this, and to all the world, no fuel, we cannot move, we cannot do anything. And by the Israelis continued this, this is the continuous of Nakba. But this Nakba, this time, because the Gaza, they were under attack five times before, 2008, 2009, 2012, 2014, 2018, and 2021. Even a few months ago, in May, Gaza was under bombing and attacks and people killed, and children, they were killed. And right now, the number of children, they are close to almost to 5,000 children to be killed in Gaza Strip. If we include the which they are missing. Actually the number will pass 6,500 children. They are already killed in Gaza. And this is what we call it Nakba. This is what's genocide, because not you are, you are not just targeting the people, you are targeting their future. And by the way, Margaret, the issue of clean water, it's a big issue right now. Diseases spread everywhere in the shelters, everywhere in Gaza. And this is what we hear from the people there in the ground. You have over 60,000 people they are suffering from severe diarrhea as a result by drinking contaminated and polluted water. And this water impacts them. Even, even let us say, if the war will the attack will stop right now. The future of the people of Gaza, it will be in a threat too, because there are already diseases spread there, everywhere. Imagine people, they are in shelters, they cannot have water to have a shower. Imagine babies, they are six months old. They, they are lucky they have a diaper, but they cannot have a shower. And if they shower them with contaminated water, this is killing even the future of Palestinians inside Gaza Strip. This is another continuous Nakba for the Palestinian, And it's another genocide against the Palestinian, And this is because no one is holding Israel accountable. They're Israel because they have the green light, the green light coming. This is how the people in Gaza say, the green light came from the US government, came from United Kingdom, came from France, came from Germany. And all of them, they are supporting what Israel doing against the Palestinian people. And this is, in fact, actually, it will impact the whole region and it will impact the whole world. This is the new era for the world in general, because if the world accept what's going on right now in Gaza, it will be accepted later. But the people, they said never again after the Holocaust, they said it even never again after Rwanda, they said it never again about many other genocide happening in this world. But we are in 2023, and this is happening in the front of our eyes, 38, 39 days right now, and still it will continue.
0: Ziad, yeah, it's really, I have to say, very difficult. Um, you know, I can't imagine um, being a mom right now on the ground uh, in Gaza or even the West Bank, anywhere near near the region. And just the terror and also the, the children, the PTSD, but also just the the killing and the horror of it. And you talk about the size of, uh, of Gaza, 139 square miles. I was born and raised in an island, Ziad, Barbados. That's 144 square miles. Mm-hmm. Our population is a bit under 300,000. You're talking about 2.3 million people in a, an area smaller than by island, basically. It, it's unimaginable. And then the, the level of destruction that one sees, I mean, all the buildings, the hospitals, the schools, the entire infrastructure, to rubble and you have uh, people in the Netanyahu government Saying basically, well, we want to force the uh, Palestinians out into the desert. Let them go to Lebanon, some other place. So there's a lot of worry about the end game here, and that even Palestinians who go to the south, um, as they're told to go to the south, that there is no refuge there um, either. It's just an unimaginable yeah. suffering. Yeah. The, uh, yes. Yeah.
3: Yes, they are targeted. Even they asked the Asta people to, to leave the north of Gaza. They are targeted in the way. They are targeted wherever they are go to go in the south. Today I was speaking with my colleague, for example, in Nusairat refugee camp while they are bombing in Nusairat. And my colleague is there. She's saying, like, any moment, maybe it will they will bomb our house where she is staying. Like as usual, this is what she said. Maybe tomorrow you will call or we will not be able You will not find me. And this is the fact. What I can say is the way how I collect the data and information from our colleagues and partners in Gaza, I can describe it. First, death is knocking every door in Gaza Strip. And I mean not just the door of the homes. Death is knocking every door of homes, uh, uh, um, hospitals, uh, knocking the doors of ICU unit inside hospitals. Death is knocking the doors of mosques, churches, universities, schools, everywhere. And the people in Gaza, they need to choose. Death is surrounding the, uh, them. And sometimes my colleagues, they describe it: we smell death already. The bodies in the streets. The smell is coming uh, uh, outside. And sometimes ask how how they survive in Gaza now after all these days. And to be honest with you, Margaret, two two reasons they survive. First, they are it depends on their luck where they are standing and in the place where they are. This is how they survive. Their luck. The other reason they survive, it's the collective spirit. People in Gaza and... Oh, my God. People in Gaza, they are supporting each other. They try to take care of each other. They open their houses. My colleague, Wafa... She's in Nusairat camp. Their house is only the size only for six, seven people. They have over 60 people They are living in her house since the beginning of the attack, and most of them children. And they try to support, as she said, not all of them, they are relatives. Some people, they have no other area to go and they welcome them. And I have other friends, which they have sometimes, in some cases, over 100 people in their houses and they try to survive together. So, this is the way how the people in Gaza try to survive. It depends on their luck and collective spirit. They try to support. What we call it in Arabic, Sumud. This is how the people in Gaza have some and they're in the ground. So is the steadfastness and they try to survive and they try to protect each other.
0: Yeah. Um, well, Ziad, I'm afraid we, we sadly are out of time here, but we will be back in touch with you. I'd like you to tell our audience how they could get in touch with the um, Middle East Children's Alliance, because in spite of everything, you know, you are continuing to do the work and to help when you can and you still Absolutely, you do need urgently uh, support from people. How can people uh, be in touch with um, the Middle East Children's Alliance? Yeah, because
3: absolutely. The yeah. Since the second day of the war, we are working on the ground in Gaza with our staff, our partners, and our volunteers. People, they can go to Macca website, meccaforbeast.org. Mecca website, mecca for M-E-C-A Mecca, Middle East Children's Alliance, Meccaforbeast.org. And they can learn more about the work we do and they can support. And but mostly we want the people to take actions on the ground. We need to do the work on our shoulders as people to stop this genocide. Thank you, Margaret.
0: <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. All the best. We'll be in touch. Please keep us posted. Thank you.
3: And please say hi to Phyllis. I can see her name right now. Anyway, I don't want to keep you. Phyllis, we can talk. Anybody who has time, are. give me a call. Thank you, Margaret. Thank well, yes, you. I'll call you.
0: We just heard from uh, Ziad Abbas from the Middle East uh, Children's Alliance. We're just going to take a very short station break, and uh, waiting next to join with us, Middle to speak with us, Middle East expert uh, Phyllis Bennett. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
2: Two, one, two, three, four.
0: back to Sojourner Truth. This is your host, Margaret Prescott. If you've missed any part of this hour from 10 this morning for 90 days after that, just go to kpfk.org. Our coverage really about the slaughter really going on now in Gaza, Palestinians on the West Bank and within Israel also under attack. Of course, this following... Um, the October 7th attack by Hamas, where 1,200 Israeli lives were taken. I would now like to welcome back to Sojourner Truth, uh, Phyllis Bennis. Uh, Phyllis, it's been way too long since you've been with us. She is um, a, a, a Jewish writer, activist, political commentator, Um, She's with the Institute for Policy Studies. Uh, She's a fellow there. She directs the New Internationalism Project at IPS, focusing on the Middle East, U.S. militarism and U.N. issues. She's also a fellow of the Transnational Institute in Amsterdam. Uh, She, uh, some years back, helped to found the U.S. campaign for Palestinian rights. And more recently, she spent six years on the board of Jewish Voice for Peace, where she now serves as its international advisor. Uh, Phyllis, welcome. What a time we're living in. And I know personally, it's really hard to, you know, to just listen and watch this stuff, but it's so heartening to see Jewish people across the United States and so many of the world standing up and saying, no, not in our name, you will not do this and calling for a ceasefire. Phil, it's just your assessment of the situation uh, right now and what do well, you think you
4: people say, are the the situation on the ground what we just heard from Ziad Abbas uh, at Mecca and what so many are reporting the absolute devastation on the ground the hospitals having become the the centerpiece of where the worst of the atrocities are happening now uh and yet there is the I can't even call it good news, but the important development that the United States support for Israel and Israel's policy itself is being isolated all around the world. Uh, The numbers of governments that are now calling directly for a ceasefire, the small but growing numbers of members of Congress that are calling for a ceasefire, congressional staff who walked out last week to, to say our bosses, the Congress is out of touch with the American people who want a ceasefire. The struggle going on within the State Department, within the White House staff, we hear from even within the Pentagon, there is massive unrest among the people who are charged with carrying out this policy, this horrific policy that puts the United States as a collaborator, as an enabler of these genocidal policies. And what we're seeing is a demand, a broad demand for what should be the simplest of things, a ceasefire. I was at a a protest yesterday morning in Washington, D.C., outside of Congress with rabbis, dozens and dozens of rabbis calling themselves rabbis for ceasefire. And they came, they brought three Torahs from local temples. They made a, a big... Uh, um, like a Torah, a, a roll of cloth where they wrote on it very large, rabbis for ceasefire, and they held they held prayers, and they talked about the need for a ceasefire. And then they went off to visit members of Congress, particularly the Jewish members of Congress, to urge them as faith leaders, as Jews, as rabbis, to say we have got to support a peace a ceasefire what we're hearing from the obama administration from president obama himself there's no question that the administration has recognized and is paying attention to these massive protests that are going on across the country
0: and these that is the protests, biden administration of course yeah
4: <laughs> right well we're they're seeing it we know that they're recognizing it it's not only jvp jewish voice for peace has led protests at, that shut down Uh, Grand Central Station that took over the Statue of Liberty. We know that protesters in Oakland in the port stopped a ship with the support of of the dock workers who refused to load the ship that was being loaded with military equipment for Israel. All of this is going on, and it's forcing them to reassess. What they're doing so far is completely insufficient. This very weak call for some version of humanitarian pauses, which really means we'll give you an hour where we won't bomb in this particular three-block area to allow a few people to leave and maybe a few gallons of fuel to go in, and then we start bombing again, and those same people will be killed. This is completely unacceptable. What's needed is a real ceasefire. And, you know, we, we know... Margaret, we know the degree to which the Israeli economy, the protection of Israeli officials, preventing them from ever being held accountable for war crimes and crimes against humanity, all of that depends on the United States. We give the US, gives Israel $3.8 billion as a starting gift directly to their military every year. This year, it's already up to 4 billion. The U.S. is now negotiating between the White House and Congress about an additional $14 billion. That would make it, you add those two together and you're talking about more than three quarters of Israel's entire military budget that we would be paying for, making us deliberately complicit, deliberately enabling these war crimes. So the question has to come up, why are they saying no to the U.S.? And the answer is very simple because so far they have seen absolutely zero evidence that Biden's requests are anything more than simple requests. Please don't kill so many people. Please abide by a little bit of international law. That's about all we're getting as requests. And their answer is no. And then Biden says, well, there's nothing we can do. What we need, what we should have is a different kind of conversation where President Biden or Secretary of State Blinken or former General Austin, who's the Secretary of Defense or whoever, goes to Bibi Netanyahu or whoever and says, you've got to stop the bombing. We need a ceasefire right now. And the answer comes back, nope, not doing it. And then the answer comes very differently than it has so far. And we hear from President Biden, okay, we got it. But you know, the rest of this year's $4 billion worth of weapons and cash that's already in the pipeline, you can kiss that goodbye. And you remember the $14 billion in additional U.S. taxpayer dollars that we're all paying, that we're trying to get congressional approval to send to you? You can forget about that, too. And you remember that protest at the Port of Oakland a couple of weeks ago that stopped the ship from being loaded? Well, just wait, because now we're going to send the U.S. Navy to support those protesters And make sure that that ship and no ship allows the weapons to be put on board and that the ships stay in port, in our port, in Oakland, not in Haifa. And then they could go on and say, oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to reverse our position and start supporting the International Criminal Court. And we're going to tell that prosecutor to get moving much faster on his investigation of Israeli war crimes in Gaza. And we're going to tell the Security Council we're ready to vote for an immediate ceasefire, an arms embargo on all sides that will enforce that ceasefire, and an end to the siege of Gaza so that unlimited humanitarian aid can flow in, all of that. And I think we would hear a very different answer from the Israeli government than the answer we're hearing now. Absolutely,
0: Phyllis. Um, on the show we did last week, we actually went through the, the numbers of the amount of money that um our taxpayer dollars, basically that's what it is, is pouring in that is really uh underscoring and making um this uh, a slaughter this slaughter uh possible. So You know, all of us who are paying taxes, uh, Phyllis, I really think, you know, we are all uh, complicit in this because, as you say, a lot of people know that if the U.S. puts its foot down and says, absolutely no, first of all, we're cutting off the money and um, you have to stop this now, that That voice will be heard. But thus far, that has not happened. And Phyllis, I've been so, by the way, in Australia, they also did an action uh, blocking uh, ship of arms. I'm not quite sure. In Barcelona as well. In Barcelona, right. And it is so, you know, if you want to use the word encouraging, Phyllis, to see... The thousands of protests that are happening around the world. I mean, in London, England, it has been incredible. While the 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 Prime Minister tried to criminalize um, uh, protesting in support of Palestinians, people came out. I understand this past weekend was uh, close to a million, uh, a million people, people in are, London. Are, Absolutely, in, in, you know, in London,
4: uh-huh. we're we're on, this. Uh, we're seeing this all around the world. The rise of protests of all kinds, creative, brilliant protests saying, not in our name, whether it's because of our tax money, whether it's because the Jewish community is saying, you don't do this for us, you're not doing this in our name. All of this is going on all around the world. And I think what's so important and the way we get out from under this complicity, you know, we are are complicit if our, our money is going directly to the Israeli military. But for those of us who are standing up and saying, no, not in our name, that ends the complicity. That makes us not complicit. That makes us part of the solution, not part of the problem. So what that means is people listening need to remember how crucial it is to be doing all the things that are happening. Go to all the protests and call members of Congress three times a day, five times a day. Their staff, their interns can't keep up with the numbers of phone calls that are coming in, but they're counting them. If the office is closed, you can usually go to their uh, their answer line and leave a message. Tell them that this is a moral question for you, and it's a political question, and it's an economic question. Because it's not only that we don't want to be complicit in this genocide, it's also that we don't want our tax money that is so desperately needed to deal with the, the challenges facing poor people here in this country to be used to commit genocide on people across the world. So there's so many reasons. There's so many reasons. There there could be one reason for each call, and you could call your members of Congress, your senators, city councils around the country are beginning to take this up. That is what makes it so important. You can call them four times a day, and with each one, give a different reason for why they should support a ceasefire, for members of Congress, why they should endorse the resolution for a ceasefire that representative Cory Bush has led uh, and has now been signed by about 20 people. And it's rising slowly, slowly, but it is rising. All of that is crucial. It's never enough at this point. This is such an emergency, such an urgent moment. It's just not enough to say, well, I did. I called my members of Congress, call them again, call them again and again and again. And give them all the reasons over and over. They need to know that for us, this is not just a job of calling a member of Congress as a routine thing. This is life and death. And the decisions about life and death for the babies in the in Shifa Hospital that are now outside of their incubators because the incubators had no energy, they had no electricity, they couldn't keep the babies warm. So the babies are now being kept wrapped in aluminum foil to hold the heat and put next to each other so that they can warm each other's bodies. Their lives depends on us.
0: Absolutely. And um, Phyllis Benes also, and we're talking about the United States and what the U.S. can do and what we can do here, because we are literally right now in the belly of the beast, um, you know, supporting what is happening now in uh, Gaza, but also their attacks on, on, on the West Bank and, and the Palestinians who are living, um, who are quote unquote citizens of, of Israel. But there is a Congresswoman uh, Teli, the only Palestinian member of Congress, and she is very much under attack. And I, I wonder your thoughts on that, uh, because some people are also encouraging folks to uh, support her And to complain about the attacks happening against her. Phyllis, any thoughts?
4: Absolutely. This was a a horrific attack on Congresswoman Tlaib, uh, an amazing Congresswoman, as you say, the only Palestinian woman in Congress uh, who has led the the demand for a ceasefire, uh, as well as representing her Detroit district so brilliantly. And she has been attacked for saying that there needs to be a ceasefire, for saying that Palestinians have the same human rights as every other human being in the world, that Palestinians should be free. This is what has led to an attack, not only from the other party, not only from the Republicans, but 22 Democrats who joined in the censure of Congresswoman Tlaib. So absolutely, when you call your own members of Congress, remind them that this was an outrage and demand that they work to reverse this Uh, this outrage, and that they should be standing with Rashida. Stand with Rashida should be that demand for our members of Congress and for ourselves to support the amazing work that she is doing and paying an incredible price for it. We should not forget that it's been representatives of color, and at the beginning, only representatives of color, that signed on to the resolution calling for a ceasefire. And that's something that has to be dealt with in in congress. So, you know, there's a lot of work to be done and congress is in an important position to make this happen or refuse to make it happen. And it will be on them if they don't take those steps.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, um, I'm so encouraged, you know, listening to you. And uh, also, it's just a heartbreak listening earlier in the show to Ziad. We're out of time, so we're going to have to wrap it up. But uh, Phyllis, uh, my daughter, who is uh, actually a member of Jewish Voices uh, for Peace, she is Jewish, she's Black, and she's Jewish, and proud of it. And uh, she said, Mom, um, I understand now how the holocaust happened in world war 2 how people just didn't take it seriously, didn't take action. And she said, I grew up um, being trained that never again for anyone. And I think we all have to remember uh, those words. And Phyllis, thank you so much for all of your work over so many, so many decades. Um, I didn't think we would be talking about this, but here we are, and we are going to continue this discussion. So thank you for your work and thank you for joining us. We're out of time.
4: Thank Thank you, you, Margaret
0: alrighty so uh, we are out of time I'd like to thank uh, today's guests I'd like to thank Jose Benavides uh, for his help with today's show if you like a copy of today's show please contact the Pacific Arena Archives at 1-800-735-0230 uh, you can also get the show on SoundCloud just look for Sojourner Truth with Margaret Prescott Sojourner Truth will be back on the air next Tuesday for our, our weekly uh, broadcast we want to welcome all of the pacifica stations that are continuing to carry sojourner truth thank you for listening this is your host margaret prescott and you all please stay well and safe